welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. I'm David Kramer coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Velasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been fast friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, and over 60 years of work experience. And we're making this podcast together to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listener, save some money. So, Mr. Kramer, what is the topic for today? So, once again, we are revisiting the idea of saving monies on automobiles, but we're combining everything we've talked about, uh, how to buy a quality used car and um, the joys and pains of electric cars, because we have a very special guest today. Uh, one of my coworkers, Pat Quinn, uh, who always drives the coolest cars, and they are—he's—he's he's rolling around in these super luxury cars. Back when I was driving a Volkswagen, he—you'd see him pass me, and his car would take two times as long to go past. Um, <laughs> the blur. <laughs> but he went from. Uh, uh, Internal combustion to full electric, back to internal combustion, and I thought he might give us some compare and contrast and some tips on how to look as cool as he does doing it. So, Patrick, welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. Welcome, Pat. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. It's nice to be with the Dave's Dave's. So, I'm interested because I have an electric car, Pat. Uh, mm -hmm. Not not something too exciting. I'm a Nissan Leaf for our listeners. Um. And I really, I really like it, and I have pretty modest cars. But I, I think if I buy another car, that I'd like to buy an electric car. Um, what kind of tell us about the cars that you had, and kind of what went through your mind when you purchased those cars? Right. So I mean, it's kind of a historically uh, big four-door luxury cars is what I've tended to go go with, and I could never afford what I wanted. So early on, I had a uh, great plan to buy used about three to four years old, usually coming off a lease, uh, but not always. I had a very good friend who uh, still has a, a BMW uh, shop uh, that he's historically worked on my BMWs. And so I, I learned what to look for when buying used as well uh, back then. Uh, today, a lot of those things really don't come up as much but back in the day you looked at different things of what was leaking <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, where and this and that you know fast forward to today i look to see does a car have new tires how are the brakes and uh you know the overall appearance and and where because tires and brakes are what you're going to have to spend first typically on a used vehicle a newer used vehicle so if I tend to look to one that's already been outfitted and, and tuned up, so to speak, so I don't have much more uh, first cost other than purchasing the vehicle for the first year, year and a half. Um, but you know, I, I think the first BMW I bought was a, a 735. It was a 1986 that I bought in 1990. Mm -hmm. so four uh, years old at that point? It was four years old. We were going to have our, uh, we were going to start a family. Had been got married in '89. <clears throat> Knew we were going to start a family, and you know, I had a convertible Mustang uh, that I was driving, and uh, my wife had her uh, uh, Jetta that she consistently reminds me paid for with her own money. That was her first car that she bought on her own, Jetta GLI, uh, five-speed. Actually, it was a great car, um, but. 
you know, so we had that car and my convertible Mustang and wisely decided to sell her car <laughs> to mm-hmm. uh, get the f- larger family sled. Right. And so uh, uh, because I wasn't done with a convertible Mustang at that time in my life. And so anyway, uh, that was my first real foray into a luxury uh, sedan. And, you know, I only had my friend, the aforementioned BMW shop owner, uh, give me some tips and I just went out and, and found one that turned out to be a great car. But I found out then about the electronics, you know, the more bells and whistles, uh, the more problems you have, uh, especially back in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. It's and interesting. So, um, I mean, I think the, for our listeners, really the great thing is buying a used car, especially coming off lease saves a whole boatload of money because a car is just a depreciating asset. Yeah, absolutely. It really, I mean, I, through my, uh, company, we would lease, I would lease, uh, vehicles. Right. And right. just, they were, expendable just having three-year rotations but right going out and paying full boat on something and having it worth 30 percent less the day you took it off the lot was very unappealing to me and to my hidden cheap side and so uh that just always got me started on this i've never bought a new car for myself oh wow uh, so it's always been a you know three four year old uh deal and, and i've always gotten what i exactly what i wanted mm-hmm. uh, you know i'd read the reviews i'd look uh, you know i'm looking at four-door sedans so i i rolled through some bmws uh, i had a couple of mercedes s500s uh, one came from my wife's cousin uh my second one and those cars ended up like my our, we have two daughters and in high school there they drove the used s500 which seems ridiculous to have high fancy car for a high schooler yeah absolutely right (laughs) i mean it really does on the outside but to me you know by then the car had almost ninety thousand miles on it Mm -hmm. we were looking to get something else they needed a car that was the safest thing i could put them in and that Mm -hmm. was my justification a for not having to buy them a car my hidden cheap side and mm-hmm. be, uh, protect them, uh, from, you know, the road, so to speak. So, um, and you know, it, it was reliable and, and, you know, they could, they, we just felt safe with it. So anyway, that's how we rolled on that. But the other thing is, you know, I'm very specific when it comes to what I want on the car. Mm-hmm. And again, it's kind of easy to go through and, and especially now with the internet before, when I started, that wasn't the case it was going to lot, to lot, to lot. Right. I remember the getting the class, you go to the Seven Eleven and buy the classified ads, right. You have to look through right back in the day. Right. Absolutely. And there was a lot of garbage that you'd get excited for and you'd go and go, you know, it was just horrible. So on the internet, you get to cut through a lot of chafe, right. Uh, ostensibly. And then, uh, zero in on what you want. So I like to get a car that has everything. So then when I sell it, I can say this thing's got everything loaded. Uh, I, I mean, I use it all. Um, a lot of times don't, but I like to have everything on it uh, that is reasonable, um, partially for resale. And cause I keep them up nice, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maintain them, all that stuff. So I know when I'm selling a used car to uh, somebody, they're going to get a car that they can drive and not worry about for a little while. And normally do you, you sell your used car yourself to the folks? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so like that's exclusively. like tip number two for our listeners is one, buy a used car and two, sell it yourself because it's not that hard. Um, 
I've always sold my cars, my, you know, myself and you make a lot because the dealer makes more money selling used cars than the dealer makes on a new car. So they want that used car and there's a big markup on it. Exactly right. And a lot of times, you know, it, it's families or people that are kind of in the spot I was, you know, maybe 10, 15 years prior to that. It's kind of fun to engage with them. And, you know, you, you can relay the family stories. Oh, you know, we've got our two-year-old and we need a bigger car. And, you know, you can just very relatable things. And, right. and you get excited to see them excited and they kind of feel your enthusiasm. And I've never not sold a car. I mean, I've never not been successful in selling uh, a car, but, you know, again, I have pretty good product to sell. So, um, so Pat, when you're selling a car for twenty or thirty thousand dollars, are you doing it? You meeting the person in a parking lot and they're bringing a bag of cash or a cashier's check? How, how do you work that? Actually, I, I meet I meet people in parking lots with bags of cash for other reasons, but um, <laughs> typically, you know, my price point when I'm going out to purchase a car, uh, again, this is a three or four year old, is somewhere you know maybe as low as. Well, going back to like that first BMW, I think that was like, I don't know, 11,000 or something. But in the last 20 years, it's been between like 28 and maybe 38 uh, is you can get for under 40, you can get three, four year old luxury vehicles all day long. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I'll end up selling them. I typically keep it four to five years uh, roughly and sell them for in the 15 to 17 range, right? Kind of getting almost half back of what I put out, but then I've got cash to put down on another car. vehicle. Right. So, which is why I never did leasing for my personal vehicles uh, until my uh, Tesla came into view. And so that was the first car I ever leased personally for myself. And it just so happened that uh, I, mean, I followed the birth of Tesla, I read the books on uh, crazy nutty Elon Musk. I mean, I was all in on everything that they were doing. And so my cousin happened to work for Tesla in the marketing arm. And um, I'm out in Dallas visiting our daughters. And lo and behold, she's in the same hotel we are. And they're having a Tesla... Um, um, run for people that put down the thousand. It was then, I think it was a thousand dollar deposit or 5,000. I can't remember, but there was like these six Teslas all of a sudden parked in the front of our uh, uh, hotel and she's there. So she was kind enough. She gave, I got a test run on this track that they had figured out in the city. And that was it. Once I was in it, I mean, I'd read about them. I'd seen them. I think they were the best looking thing on four wheels. Driving it, though, was just an epiphany, and it totally brought me up to speed of understanding torque, which I had, again, not being a gearhead, never really understood, mm -hmm. and immediate torque uh, is the greatest thing in the world. I don't drive fast. I mean, I don't like going 120 or uh, 110, uh, but, you know, just doesn't throw me. But going from 40 to 70 or 50 to 80 in a heartbeat for a purpose is perfect. I mean, that's, uh, and so uh, uh, I jumped into that and actually got a deal on that because at the time Tesla had kind of floor models, but they were user cars and they could still lease them if they were less than 5,000 miles. So 
she found one for me in LA that had 3,800 miles or something. And it was outfitted exactly what I was looking for. Boom, I, I had a Tesla within 10 days where most people were waiting three to six months. Uh, oh, so it's like a, it was the used car, so it wasn't new in that case, interesting. It wasn't brand, you know, 398 miles new, mm -hmm. but it was new enough that they could still lease it. And so I got $10,000 off, which I didn't even understand at the time. And uh, so that was pretty cool. So I got a decent lease thing on it. And uh, Pat, uh, Pat's being uh, modest here. Uh, he was one of the first people I knew to buy a Tesla, but we bought one for my wife. Same model within, I think, a year when you got yours. And like, oh, I know what Pat paid for his lease. I'll go mm -hmm. lease mine. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get anywhere close to that. The lease pay, best lease payment I could find was like 75% more. It was at wow. one point it was double and they're yeah. saying no that's the right lease like no that's not right i know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got this much. idiot i work with and <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, so, he got a hell so of a he, deal on a really and yeah. a, a very desired car it wasn't like there was lots of them rolling around at that time so again buying something used like a car is a really smart idea for for our listeners out there it saves you a bunch ton of money yeah yeah and you know it was, i could have gone the route of, and gotten a brand new one and for what that the, so again now you get into the electric the motors go forever you know the but there, there's no wear parts there's nothing to leak you don't put any fluids in them uh, so, uh i had zero problems and uh, again it was a lease vehicle so any problems i had they would have taken care of anyway mm -hmm. i had some window motor issues uh that they were experiencing at that time uh, kind of like three times trying to get it fixed, but great service. You know, they give me a car. It was no big deal. But um, uh, just the thought of having zero post initial cost for a vehicle was completely different than what I had with my, you know, quote unquote luxury sedans that I like to drive. There was always some, you know, uh, fast forward to now I've got a Audi A8L and uh, I can bought it used a great car i've had it for a year and four or five months and had to put a water pump on it mm. and wow you know, a water pump geez i haven't bought a water pump and i can't remember because the tesla the, a no water doesn't pump. have a water pump yeah, yeah it doesn't at all so just those types of things remind you of you know what can happen and you know i'll have to put brakes on this thing although the audi braking system is the best i've ever had it's amazing, but I'll have to put brakes on it and that'll be a chunk. And so those, I can't wait to get back to electric, uh, just kind of, I'll have why to start. Didn't, from the, why didn't you, you stay know, with electric, years, Pat? I'm, why, why didn't you stay with electric? I'm well, just curious. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to purchase, uh, back then I could purchase the S, uh, out of the lease. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, the window switch thing, there were a couple other wonky deals that they have to keep fixing that again, I didn't care when I was leasing, but I thought, gee, this thing could get expensive uh, once I pulled the trigger and bought it. Gotcha. And so I just, I just decided uh, it was still early enough. I wasn't, you know, there was a lot of fit and finish issues still rolling out. Now I wouldn't worry about it as much, quite frankly at all, but then I just didn't. So I got out of lease and uh, I drove another car for a while until I found this one. And, and uh, so I'll, you know, I'm committed to it and I'll be in it for 
another three, four years. And, and I, I knew there was a lot more electric coming and it will. In fact, you know, now you see Tesla prices actually drop 5,000 per unit model. Uh, here this month and you know they're getting batteries are getting less expensive more miles I had a range of 215 miles uh, which I really got more like two uh, maybe mm -hmm. 205 on a good day and and that got me around Bay Area pretty easy right but I drive to Monterey a fair amount and I could get there and back but it would be close nail biter yeah. If I drove too fast, right? The faster you drive, the less mileage. Uh, it's just like gas, actually. Like in gas that respect. Car. Yeah. So it was tight. So, you know, if I get back into electric, which I uh, was certainly intend to, it'd be a minimum of 300 because that'll get me back and forth to Monterey super easy, Napa super easy, San, you know, da -da 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 -da. But I took it to Tahoe on multiple occasions, would have to stop, you know, in the foothills before going up the hill mm. charge charge fully and then driving that thing in the mountain was great because there was no a loss of power uh, mm -hmm. at altitude or anything you're just <laughs> cruising right. up it was uh, super enjoyable and then you know would just let it sit and charge up there so i'd have a full charge coming back down um so tahoe was actually pretty mm. easy you just have to prep for it like anything uh you know if if you don't prep for it, you're going to end yourself on the side of the road calling Tesla to tow you because, uh, you know, five gallon gas can isn't going to help you. Uh, right. So you, you just got to plan and that's usually not my program, but this, you know, you just knew it was finite and that was that. So, uh, so maybe next car you're thinking you might go back to electric. Yes. Gotcha. Without a doubt. If you're yeah, looking for a 300 mile range, that uh, cuts your choices pretty pretty far down. Is there anything that has 300 miles besides a Tesla? Yeah, well, the Ford uh, uh, Mustang Mach E, or I don't think it's some stupid nomenclature for it, mm -hmm. but it's a four door. It may not be what I want, but it, they're uh, it, they're getting released here pretty soon. They're 300, uh, and so I, I think within three to four years, my supposition is there'd be many more uh in that range yeah there's supposed to be 10 uh electric vehicles uh, available to buy next year in 2021 easily so uh, that's where i think it's heading uh it's where it has to head uh so interesting um, my experience has been similar i have a nissan leaf it doesn't have nearly that range so i can't take those long trips but um mm -hmm. I like the, it's not a fast car per se. It doesn't have a lot of power, but it has, uh, for a car size, it has a lot of torque. So it feels snappy in city traffic, right? It's not going to win any drag races, but zero to 30, it gets going fast enough. And I like the quietness of it. I like the fact that there's no engine noise, which is kind of cool. Oh, you do, uh, Dave. I don't know if you experienced it, uh, and maybe it was just the Tesla, but uh, the road noise from tire, tire noise sometimes would be more prevalent on bad roads right because there's no engine noise there's nothing else just you and whatever the tire noise makes and i uh, i think i've heard that they've improved that actually uh since my rig hmm. interesting i worry about i've decided to keep mine and i worry about what it will cost to replace the battery if it gets to that point and whether i'll just say hey it's beyond economic you know repair at some point um so that'll be yeah. the single most expensive thing true like on a tesla i want to say it's uh they're 
more like 10,000 uh, is what I've heard, but they're trying to I gotta target believe it's more than I got to believe it's more than that because I think Nissan's advertising like 8,000 and the Tesla battery, I want to say, is three times as big, at least twice as big. Yeah. Okay. Well, I heard they were targeting those $7,500, which oh. is X amount per kilowatt. Uh, haven't gotten there yet, but, you know. That's again, a bargain if it is because... I looked at those costs in my little model that I keep on costs for cars. And right now I think Nissan's charging people eight grand for a yeah. battery replacement, which is, it's gotta be, it's less than half the size of the battery that Tesla has. Yeah. So that's a bargain. Remember Tesla isn't concerned with things like making money, right? So <laughs> Could be, yeah. they, they can do whatever they want at a loss and people just keep buying the stock. Yeah. Yeah. You know. that, that is. <laughs> <laughs> you better get in, Dave. While it's under eight hundred, under nine hundred, got to get in while it's under nine hundred because it's going to eighteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> but the you know the battery technology keeps getting better. Uh, you know, every year it's some exponential uh, improvement. Uh, so I, I and that's where it has to go if they want to have electric be purchased without a thought by the consumer. They're going to have to have. 350 to 400 miles uh, on a charge. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, you guys both have S's. I have this, you know, Leafs. So I can go back and forth to work twice without recharging it. But I have, I always tell people, I think it's unless you really plan your day out, it's it's better probably for a person as a family because I can always use the other cars that have gas, right? Mm -hmm. um, and cer certainly if I was going to go on a trip, I couldn't take it from your guys' where you live to Tahoe because it would take me five days to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I wouldn't it, be it, comfortable having limiting. all both electric cars. Um, so I split the difference. I got a plug-in hybrid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is nice having that big battery because the uh, feature where you could turn on the air conditioning before you get mm -hmm. to the car is really nice. Yeah. Your Audi doesn't do that, does it, um, Pat? Not currently, no. Yeah. So that, that's nice as long as you remember to do it. And uh, I never remember. To, my car can do that, but I always forget to do it. And it'd be nice in Phoenix sometimes. I remember to once in a while to turn it on because you get to the car and it's a little bit. Instead of being it, 120, it's 100. Yeah. That is a good idea. This summer, maybe I'll find an intern that uh, can send down and turn on my car early before I go down there. <laughs> Appreciate the heads up on that. I had a question for you, Pat. You said you're fussy about the cars, but are you picky about things like color? Because that can make it pretty aggravating to find the car you want. Yeah, it's more so there's only a few colors I don't want, and I'm pretty easy. Most of you know, I've, I've had kind of the spectrum, black, gray, uh, you know, <laughs> maroon, yeah. <laughs> uh, red. Yeah, so uh, there's only so many colors. Uh, colors available anyway uh, i tend not to get a white one i don't know why I just don't on the big sedans but uh, so no yeah I, i'm pretty easy on that but dave you know how uh some cars that are actually great cars can get labeled as chick cars like mm -hmm. your convertible volkswagens that happened with the mazda miata which you and i both owned uh with a little honda prelude was a chick car yeah yeah all Back awesome cars uh that buys the opposite of that. It's got to have four doors, extended yes. wheelbase, at least eight cylinders. Um, Although so, the Audi that I have now is a, a six uh, turbo turbo six. Hey, I'm maturing. Feels uh, like an eight though. 
Oh my gosh, it has plenty of power. Uh, and again, the torque, one of the, so two things drew me to this car coming out of the Tesla. One, uh, I almost got the TDI because I was looking for torque, pure mm -hmm. and simple. But A, the, the TDIs were tough to find. And uh, I also read some other things that made me wonder if I wanted to go that route. Plus the price of diesel was super irritatingly yeah. high. TDI so, for our listeners is a diesel engine car, right? So oh, I'm sorry, yeah, diesel so engine. Diesel, engine, diesel mm -hmm. engines have a lot of torque. So um, anyway, the, the A8 that I have now has a lot of torque and it had the uh, uh, Distronic or uh, um, uh, what am I trying to say? The spacing speeded running into the car in front of you when you've got it in the cruise control. Uh, I don't even know what Audi calls it. But I had with the auto self-driving, not self-driving, but auto drive with the uh, Tesla, I mean, I just got used to that, you know, kept you spaced, uh, made driving uh, much easier and, and more, less stressful. And uh, I, I could never go back to a vehicle that didn't have that because I just rear end people on a daily basis. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I would really hesitate to buy another car that didn't have uh, adaptive cruise control. Uh, the good news is it's available on standard on every Honda Accord and available on like every Honda Civic. So hmm. you don't have to buy it. It's speak. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, a safety it's, thing. it's become common. Yeah, no, it's it's super cool. So, and quite frankly, the the uh, auto drive on the Tesla, uh, I'd use it. You know, I heard stories where the more you went on one route, it would learn that route and drive mm -hmm. it better. And I I drove a lot to Monterey, and I got to tell you, there were like a couple of turns that I knew that I have to really pay attention because here it comes we're gonna it's gonna go off path and sure enough it would go uh, and i'd have to take over you know uh, disengage the autopilot and, and drive it so i'm you know i liked it for the adaptive cruise control not so much i like to drive so i don't mind steering uh, well you know just dependent high i5 it was perfect you didn't have to pay attention hardly hey, dave there's some uh uh, really active self-driving car programs where you live in the Phoenix area. In fact, I was listening on the radio that there's a grocery delivery service using uh, undriven cars. Have you have you tried that yet? I've not tried that yet. We, I do see the Google Waymo program is in our. Um, they do they do their testing out here and they're doing the pickups out here. So I see the the Waymo folks would drive all through my neighborhood. So essentially, I think their parking lot is within a mile of here. So I see them out and about all the time. And I think they just restarted um, pick, picking up, this restarted rides with passengers. Is but it true they did that in a red state because Googlers didn't want to accidentally run over Californians? <laughs> that I don't know. Uh, that, that rumor that starts I don't here. Know. Oh, in California. I see, a, I see a fair amount of the, uh, uh, non-driven vehicle testing going on here too in the bay area i don't know what you see david but uh right around mountain view in particular yeah um yeah carnegie mellon has that uh, lab they do that yeah but uh uh they have in phoenix don't they have a taxi service without drivers or did they give that up I believe I thought so. I haven't kept up on it. I was I, I haven't paid attention to it. But the I thought Waymo was it's without drivers, but I'm not 100% certain on that. So that was happening in the Phoenix area. 
Um, and I certainly see the Waymo uh, Pacifica vans th all throughout the neighborhood. Less so now that they're actually doing service. Like two or three years ago, if I walked the dog, I would see two or three vans because we were like in their test. They were just testing, basically. We were in the test route. My neighborhood was on their testing area. So, Does it seem with the electric vehicle, specifically Tesla, and then all these uh, full auto drive uh, services and that, that they're being held to a much higher standard, almost a zero tolerance standard for accidents? And, you know, you look through transportation history uh, from the beginning to right now, trains still crash, planes, unfortunately, still go down, ships still sink, cars explode or go off track, whatever, you know, motorcycles, bikes, uh, uh, you name it. And why the Tesla uh, that seems to get the brunt of it probably because Musk, but, uh, and all these other services, they, you know, one, one unfortunate incident and there's a hue and cry through the, the country that, you know, well, this just can't be. Well, um, people are scared of robots because they can self-replicate. You know, if you, <laughs> we, we work now. In do it now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, if you ride in a, a construction hoist that still has an elevator operator and they get it within three or four inches of level with the floor, you're like, ah, thanks, Joe, and you step over it. But if you're riding in an elevator in an office building or a hotel and it misses the floor by three inches, you're like, I'm taking the steps back down. Right. <laughs> this elevator's trying to kill me. <laughs> but I, Pat, I would agree. I think it's going to be hard for people to let go because my guess would be that sometime soon we'll be able to have self-driving cars that probably on average crash less than people do um but it's like flying an airplane people are very nervous about flying an airplane but it's the safest way to travel right but it's the not being in control thing and i like to tell people you took a greater risk driving to the airport than you did by far than taking that plane flight to wherever and yeah, cer certainly safer than traveling by a bathtub <laughs> yeah. you know how to do it dangerous they can be <laughs> well and commercial it. airplanes are flown uh, on autopilot and landed on autopilot right i mean that's right and you yeah it's uh but we don't know about it so it's fine it's behind that locked door it's behind the curtain yeah awesome all right well mr kramer um what other uh what are the things we want to cover we want to wrap it up today yeah i think we're gonna wrap it up i uh, it I've got be, hours of more material. What are you two talking about? But I think I think the key. I know. I but I, I here's my takeaway because I'm a cheapskate at heart. Is I think the key thing that Pat has reinforced our listeners, regardless of what car you get, is if you buy it from a private person. I think Pat, you buy your cars from private people mostly. Or yeah, eighty uh, percent of the time. Yeah, I mean that's cheaper than going to a dealer. And I've bought some cars from from people privately and never had an issue. I think you do your homework. And then the same thing, I think that saves you money buying a used car, like especially three-year-old cars coming off leases because they're generally in really good shape because you have to keep them in good shape. You're going to pay a lot. I just bought a three-year-old car, you know, coming off a lease from my wife and it, it was in fabulous shape. And then I think the other thing is selling the car yourself. It seems daunting. It's like, it's like doing your taxes. I tell people if you're an employee, you should be able to do your taxes yourself because not that hard. And, and selling your car is really not that hard. And you can literally save thousands of dollars selling your car your, yourself. And I think, Pat, you found that to be the case. Consistently. Yeah. yeah. So I would encourage our listeners, try to sell the car yourself. It's not that hard. And, and like Pat, it's probably easy. I'm, I'm like you, I keep my car in pretty good, you know, pretty nice shape. So when you go to sell it, it's in good condition compared to other cars. It makes it easy to sell. 
and I don't try to like make a, I don't try to make this huge killing off it, but I certainly sell it more than I would get the trade in from the dealer. So I'm not right. selling it. I'm not having 50 people come over to my house, look at stuff. Cause I just don't need that. And so people realize that you've got a nice car, nice condition. It's a good price and it's easy to move and it's not hard to do. Listen guys, if you're going to advertise your private cars for sale, you're going to have to pay to be sponsors. This isn't, I'll come back on a pod in about three years and I'll be happy to sponsor. Uh, I would also throw out to, to your listeners that uh, warranties, if you, uh, you know, it doesn't happen when you buy it uh, private, but you go to the uh, dealers and, and, and auto stores, they're always trying to sell you an extended warranty. And an extended warranty past the factory bumper to bumper is all but useless. Uh, it really is. It's, they're high deductible. They don't cover the normal things that most people think of go wrong. It's, it, you know, it's kind of like if the transmission or the car rusts out or something like that, unless you live in an area where rust is an issue, I guess, uh, you might think about it. But otherwise, I found that they just never cover. We bought one for our daughter. Because uh, we've got our used car, she lives in Texas, and just wanted the consensus was it was going to make it worry free, but uh, wasn't quite the case, and it never really covered anything. And when it did, again, a high deductible in the Senate was, just, you know, it's uh, it's fluff. Gotcha. That's that, that is a good tip, and I would say that tip um, uh, you should use for really anything. I think extended warranties in general are just a bad idea because margin markups for the people selling them. Yeah, and I, I also say I'm I'm buying three or four year old vehicles because they're, and I still always buy them under warranty. So then I can have, I have them run through when I get them, I take them to the dealership for whatever market it is and have them do a run through because they like doing warranty work. They get paid good money by Audi or per se or Ford or wherever to do it. So they'll gladly find something uh, under warranty and you get something new. So mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of a nice way to look at it too. It's good deal reassures uh, one's purchase. All right, well, thank you. I uh, love talking about cars. That's one of my favorite things. I appreciate your guys' time on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, Thanks, Pat, we'll for joining us today. It was yeah. a pleasure. Love listening to you too. <laughs> so do we. All right, we will talk to you soon. Take care. Thank mm -hmm. you.